You are now listening to the Soul and Wonder Podcast, episode 55, Plant-Based Revolution with Robbie Lockie. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder Podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. Welcome to the Soul & Wonder podcast, you beautiful souls. We are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. What is happening, everybody? It is wonderful to be with you today, and we are stoked for this episode, as we are with all of them. Absolutely. Have you ever wondered who the face is or who the faces are behind that super popular news source floating around on mainstream media, plant-based news, which covers all things plant-based? Well, today you get to find out who the co-founder is, Robbie Lockie. Get a little bit about his story and see what they have to offer for the vegan community and plant-based world. But before we dive into Robbie's bio and interview, we have some important updates and exciting news. We sure do. Beginning on September 19th, 2018, we are launching the largest online vegan event of the year, the Vegan Warrior Virtual Summit. Really, really pumped for this. So this five-day summit will feature more than 25 of today's top vegan thought leaders who will be sharing their insights, strategies, and secrets to amplify your vegan lifestyle and help you spark new pathways for personal and global change. Among some of these topics covered will be how to spread and communicate the vegan message more clearly, how to become an effective agent of change, how to start a vegan business so you can share your gifts with the world, how to connect deeper with yourself to feel more happy, healthy, balanced, and whole, how to consciously raise a joyful, healthy family, how to live a zero waste vegan lifestyle, and so, so much more. So among some of these speakers include Dr. Michael Greger, vegan psychologist Claire Mann, Dr. Will Tuttle, That Vegan Couple, Paul Shapiro, and of course, Robbie Lockie. And there's going to be a ton more. So to learn more and to receive updates about this summit, go to veganwarriorsummit.com. Tickets will be free. You'll be able to view all of them live, but if you want all access to all the recorded interviews plus a ton of bonuses, you can actually buy yourself a VIP pass. Right now, registration is open. Go on there, fill out your name and email, and you'll receive updates along the way. So excited. We just cannot wait to bring all of this information to you. So let's get into Robbie's bio. So Robbie was actually born in Zimbabwe, Africa, where he started his career in digital design in 1999. He then came to London a year later to further his career in design, media, and communications. He's worked with so many large brands, including BMW UK, Mercedes-Benz, Microsoft, the Royal Navy, Jamie Oliver, and Getty Images. Super impressive, if I must say. And in 2016, he co-produced a short documentary called Swine for the UK animal charity Viva and has been involved in a number of online campaigns, including Move Your Money, a charity helping to raise awareness about ethical banking. 
So Robbie co-founded Plant Based News, also known as PBN, with Klaus Mitchell in 2017 to act as a global platform for change. Operating for two years previously as a YouTube channel, the brand has experienced super fast growth, currently reaching three to five million people per week via the website and its social media channels. So we have learned so much through plant-based news and all of the articles and videos and wonderful bits of information that it shares to our vegan community and plant-based world. Now, in this interview, we're going to be talking a bit about the, Robbie's background, his upbringing. Um, we're going to talk about Zimbabwe. And of course, we want to know about his journey into veganism. When and how did that begin? How did plant-based news come about? What did it start as? Where is it going now? And how can we ensure that this vegan movement continues to move in a positive direction? And then, of course, the vision for plant-based news and the world. So we're really pumped to bring this interview to you and be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode for your health tip. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We've got Robbie now with us. Robbie, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's my absolute pleasure. We're so, so thrilled to finally connect with you and be able to dive into a little bit of your story. And one of the things that Chris and I thought was interesting is you're from Zimbabwe. Yeah, so born in uh, darkest Southern Africa. Um, mm-hmm. I won't say my age, but uh, <laughs> a few years ago. Um, and yeah, grew up to two very young parents and uh, and spent most of my life on a small farm and then left to come to England when I was 19. How wonderful. That's so awesome. Um, Considering Chris and I, you know, we met in Tanzania. And before that, I lived in Namibia on the Caprivi Strip. So I was right by Zimbabwe, Zambia, Botswana. And we've we've visited Zimbabwe and all those surrounding countries and just had a blast just exploring and checking it out. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Uh, I do get quite homesick because obviously England is a very different place. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can imagine. What was your experience growing up there? You said you grew up on a small farm. Mm-hmm. I grew up on a small farm, so I lived just outside um, a city called Mutare, which is kind of in the eastern highlands of Zimbabwe. Very green, loads of mountains and rivers, and uh, just a really idyllic place. Felt I feel very privileged and fortunate to have had that childhood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you ever get to go back there? Um, I haven't been back to Zimbabwe for a good 10 years because uh, my family all moved after the uh, violence and uh, unrest in Zimbabwe and they moved to Cape Town in South Africa. Okay. Yeah, another beautiful place. Definitely has yeah. some some problems as well too, but it's a great place. Very, very scenic. <laughs> yeah, so, so my family live there now and um, it's a much quieter, pretty safe place. But yeah, South Africa's... Uh, got its own issues but certainly certainly where my family live there's you know people leave their doors open and a car's unlocked and it's pretty safe absolutely i i I think some of our listeners are probably wondering because with you being the head of plant-based news what kind of farm did your family have um so my family had a, a small holding that had fruit trees and stuff like that we did have animals at some point we did have sheep at some point um, we obviously had some horses. I'm just trying to think what other animals we had. We had geese and stuff, uh, some chickens. Mm-hmm. So they were. I was surrounded by animals my whole life, really. 
Do you think that played a part at all in your journey to veganism? Um, interestingly not. So when I was on the farm, obviously I had companion animals and um, animals all around me and I always loved them and I was always very close with animals, but I never really thought about or questioned the fact that we ate other types of animals. Because I think, you know, like most people, when you look at a piece of meat, I didn't see it as an animal. It was just food to me because um, mm-hmm. it was never, I mean, I knew, I consciously knew where animals ended up eventually after being on a farm, but I, I don't think I'd really spend any time in slaughterhouses or seen much animal slaughter. I'd seen a chicken having its head removed, unfortunately, when I was young, and I was a bit grossed out by it, but I don't mm-hmm. remember being that horrified because I was kind of always taught, this is what we do, you know, we need to eat these animals, and that's just the way it is, and I just sort of accepted it. It's only obviously, mm-hmm. uh, only really in about six and a half years ago did I have the realization that that's really not the kind of person I want to be anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's let's dive into that a little bit in your journey to veganism. So what what brought you to that point? What was there any sort of catalyst or anything that really uh, changed that view for yourself? <clears throat> so um, about six years ago, I well more than six years ago actually, in my sort of late twenties, I started developing a lot of health problems, and that lasted for quite a long time. Um, and I went on a journey to try and find the answer to what was wrong with me. I had loads of diagnoses of things like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and all these kinds of different things. And I couldn't find the answer to what was wrong with me. I saw so many doctors and no one could figure it out. I um, I then discovered this, oh, the idea of having a what's it called? An alkaline diet where people talk about eating more alkaline foods. Now, obviously subsequently have researched it and there isn't hard science behind it, but what I was doing was cutting out all animal products and eating more greens. And, um, essentially what I was doing was probably sort of clearing out my body really. And I spent a good three months doing that. And the difference was like night and day. I went from having chronic pain to feeling like a normal human being for the first time in years. Um, Mm. I watch films like Food Inc. and Forks Over Knives um, and Vegucated. And of course, those completely opened my mind and I was blown away by the, the, the reality that it kind of hit me. Mm-hmm. I always say that when I first watched all this stuff, I felt like Neo in the Matrix being handed a red <laughs> pill or a blue pill and kind of being horrified by the whole experience sort of down the rabbit hole. Um, mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, I then watched Earthlings. And that was it. Game over for me. I watched Earthlings and I thought, this is this is where I need to be going with my life. This is, you know, to be thinking in this way. And then serendipitously, two days later, my neighbor's cat was run over um, and I witnessed it. And I experienced this animal oh, dying on the road across from my house, this beautiful white Persian cat, you know, as it sort of lay on the ground in a, in a pool of ruby red blood, like right there in front of me. And I went over to the animal. I could see it was suffering and, you know, people always say, you know, if an animal is suffering deeply, you should, you know, spare its, spare its suffering, you know, trying to put it out of its misery. And I just thought to myself, I can't do that. I couldn't, I can't kill something. And in that moment, I thought, I mean, I had a, not to get cliche, but I had a bit of a religious moment. I looked at the animal and mm-hmm. its blood was my blood. I mm-hmm. saw the blood and I thought, that's the color of my blood. And I, in that moment, you could say in a way, I felt like I traded places for an instant and 
I in that moment decided I I could never kill or pay someone else to kill another animal to kill an animal for my own pleasure. So you know, for my food. So that was the that was the moment. Wow, that's hauntingly beautiful. A very powerful experience. And I, it's interesting, you know, just like many people, they go into it first for the health component. And when they start seeing amazing results within sometimes days, you know, it's incredible. And then you start getting curious. You start wondering what else is there to this whole veganism thing? And it, it that the animal component, obviously the driving force just swallows you whole mm-hmm. after you have, especially those personal experiences. What an, what an incredible story, though, about the cat. Yeah, it's it it has sort of that moment has always stuck with me because um, I have my own cat and she's well she owns me really I don't own her <laughs> she um, she's my typical she's, yeah, she's my little princess my little lioness uh, her name's Nala Princess Nala and um, we have a very strong bond and you know I look at her um, and I looked at her over the years obviously that I've been vegan and it's really made me realize just how individual animals are with all their little traits and qualities and tendencies that make them an individual that make them unique that tiny slice mm. of consciousness that exists within that body is no different to mine maybe it can maybe it can't speak like i can and you know code websites like i can but, <laughs> but it's a, but it's an in, but she is an individual as unique as i am and as kind of beautifully complex as i am and you know pigs and cows and chickens and sheep they are no different they're each one mm-hmm. precious gift to this universe and i think this is what drives me every day is to is to try to help people see that consciousness slash sentience is a priceless jewel of of our of our world and the fact that we're destroying so many you know individuals on a, on a regular basis i just don't think which people truly realize the implications of what it is that we're doing when you go vegan you kind of feel like you've woken up in a nightmare because you look around and you suddenly see all this exploitation around you and you're horrified in it, by it and you feel a, a you feel like you're in a state of trauma or shock so mm-hmm. um, individualism is this kind of gift and i think this is what i'm always trying to put share in my message to people is that we have to you know see animals as as precious you know there's Mm -hmm. only so there's a there's only so many of them um in this world and if we continue along the path that we're at with that we're on it'll all be gone (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow man that was very powerful and i really appreciate you sharing that and you know the animals they just emanate innocence and love Mm -hmm. and to feel that presence every single day is just extremely powerful. And as you can, as you were saying, being one with these animals and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think once we start to wake up to that and to really feel that on a on a very, very deep level, it's incredibly powerful. And I know a lot of us, you know, have been um, really duped by society and societal conditioning. But again, once you wake up, you can't go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. I always say you, you bought the ticket, you got to mm-hmm. take the ride. You took the, ra- you took the red pill and you've gone down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No- even, if, even if you, for some reason wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, opt out, I just feel mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's impossible. You can't go to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. There are people that I've heard, I have heard of, and do know people who've been vegan for years and have gone back to eating meat. It's not as mm-hmm. common as you would think, but it does. 
happen and it's i do sometimes struggle to understand how that's possible but it does happen um and in fact i don't know how true these statistics are but i've been told some 80 percent of people who try to go vegan don't succeed um mm. and there's very i've got various theories and ideas behind that but yeah it's a real challenging movement for us sometimes i wonder if the people who maybe don't stick to it it's perhaps fundamentally only for the health component and they have yet to stretch out to connect deeply with the animals um, and the environmental conditions. But I have met people who have also gone that far and still somehow did backtrack. And there's a lot of psychological components to that as well, Mm -hmm. which obviously if we went into that, it would probably take an hour to discuss. But sometimes it's more comfortable for us, especially if we're surrounded by people who are not vegan, it's more comfortable and easier to justify our actions of sort of mm, going back to where we came from. If we don't have that support system, I think that's why what you do with plant-based news is really important for connecting the vegan community, showing people that they're not alone, you know, with, with the internet and all of this, it just, you have community, you know, you don't have to just have it in person. And so I'm curious, how did plant-based news evolve Mm -hmm. into, or well, first, how did it even come to about, come to be and how did it evolve to where it is today? So plant-based news um, was first, an idea by my good friend Klaus Mitchell. Hi, Klaus, if you're listening. <laughs> Klaus, uh, Klaus had the idea of uh, creating something that had a bird's eye view of all the stuff that was going on in the vegan movement. He read the China study and decided that he wanted to share this message with people. He was really passionate about it. He set up a YouTube channel and he just started making videos. Um, and he did videos in his greenhouse, back of his house. And he would start every video with, hi, this is Klaus in the greenhouse. And everyone loved it. And it did, love that. Yeah, and it did really well. He invited people onto the channel to share the news of what was going on in the various areas. Um, and then about six months to a year later, I think it was, I started helping him with a Facebook page and helped develop it and grow it and, and just worked on it in my free time. And I enjoyed it. I loved it because I'm, I'm a digital designer, video editor, uh, UX designer, so I wear many hats, um, but I've also worked in the corporate world and worked in advertising for the last, well, this year will be 20 years. Um, and I kind of worked with Klaus and we turned Plant Based News into a platform. Um, and we set up the website and Instagram was going, but we kind of put more energy into that. And that sort of took off and started to develop. And then about a year ago, we got a call, an email actually, from Prince Khaled Awalid, who's an amazing young man from Saudi Arabia who is whose family is very heavily involved in trying to change the narrative in Saudi Arabia, but worldwide wow. as well. Um, and he sent me an email saying he loved what we're doing and he wants to help us. Uh, so Khaled has um, got behind us financially to help us move and grow. And that was kind of like putting rocket fuel in plant-based news. We, you know, we're, it, it's allowed us to be able to have a team and put out regular content. Um, and he's been helping us. And without Khaled, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, so Klaus and I co-direct plant-based news um, as partners. So the website is run and kind of taken care of by the amazing Maria Curando and Emily Court. And the two of them produce a lot of the top line content for the website. So the articles and they kind of manage and maintain it. 
And then I work across all the different stuff, you know, looking after the brand and doing all the tech stuff. And, you know, uh, we've been working on building an advertising platform. So, yeah, we're doing lots of stuff. Um, we've just launched PBN Food, which is a kind of food part of plant-based news, which is currently just on Instagram. But we've got an exciting amount of kind of uh, video series coming out with some plant-based slash vegan chefs from the U.S., and then we also do things like mini campaigns, well, not mini campaigns, but we're running something called World Plant Milk Day, which is August 22nd, where we celebrate um, a kind of healthier alternative to dairy, which is obviously plant milk. Um, and we kind of show people all the positives of choosing plant milk, like the health benefits, the benefits to the environment and obviously to the animals. So that's, uh, that's plant-based news. <laughs> You guys are a powerhouse, man. You're doing it all. And I love it. And I love the content that you're putting out. And it's just wonderful to be able to share that with people and to be able to share that with the world. And it's, uh, I'm sure it's going to continue to grow as veganism is on the rise. Absolutely. And undoubtedly, it is on the rise. So in your opinion, how can we ensure that this movement continues to move in a positive direction? Um, one simple thing by remembering our pre-vegan selves. I think there's far too many people in the vegan movement kind of jumping straight onto the bandwagon of the world needs to go vegan tomorrow. You know, you talking to their friends and family, a bit like an ex-smoker where people go around being the worst ex-smoker on earth. They're kind of shouting and screaming <laughs> and angry and stop smoking. It's bad for you. Meanwhile, five minutes ago, they just put out their last cigarette. Um, mm -hmm. and it's the same with veganism, you know, and, um, consuming animals, obviously it's not the same technically as eating an animal, but it's a, it's a social, um, practice that kind of ended up appearing in your life for whatever reason. And it, it's not that easy to stop it. You know, stopping smoking is very difficult for a lot of people mm -hmm. and it's very challenging. It takes a long, long time. And the same is for cutting animal products out of your life. There are people that go cold turkey and completely stop. Um, but there's, you know, 90% of the population, I'm sure, finds it challenging and is afraid of cutting out animal products because they're worried they're going to get sick. They're, they're afraid that their friends are going to judge them. They're worried about the stigma attached to being different. Um, and if you're in a minority already in the US specifically, being another minority is even more challenging and having to deal with that as well as all the other challenges of being a minority. So I think the thing that holds the movement back most is people not being patient and listening to individuals' situations, but mm. kind of tarring everyone with the same brush and just making the assumption that everyone can just change like you can essentially. Mm. I love that. And actually, you reminded me of uh, something, a gem that I, uh, one of my clients uncovered yesterday in one of her sessions. We have a vegan warrior client who right now, one of her main struggles is communicating her truth, communicating the vegan message. She finds herself feeling inarticulate and stressed out and just throws in the towel. Um, in, but she has all this passion and she wants to educate people. And she had this breakthrough realization that she, she comes in like a lion when she should rather approach like a lazy cat. Mm -hmm. And we kind of laughed because, you know, like you said, you get so passionate, you forget 
you forget where you were before and you forget that, like you said too, everybody is at different points, different stories. And those who are ready to receive the message will receive it as long as mm -hmm. you're willing to um, at least meet them where they're at. And mm -hmm. it's just funny that you brought this up now, but it's wonderful advice for people moving forward. It is difficult because when you first go vegan, you kind of emerge into the real world like Neo in the Matrix, to use the Matrix example again. Neo <laughs> is given the pills by Morpheus. And, you know, if anyone listening hasn't seen the Matrix, Neo is just simply a young man who stumbles upon us. He finds himself in a situation where someone presents him with two options where he can either go back to sleep and just pretend like nothing happened or take this red pill. This is a, this mythical red pill. And he then emerges into the real world. And I think it's it's traumatic, it's scary. It's you kind of wake mm -hmm. up from this dream and you suddenly realize that your species is incredibly destructive. Um, and this is where mis misanthropy comes, where people begin to become, they self-loathe. They, they start to become human-hating and talk about their mm -hmm. own species as if we are a cancer on the earth. And, you know, I do have theories that human beings have parasitic-like behavior, like we can behave like parasites on this planet, consuming and destroying. But we're not parasites essentially because we can create, we can plant forests, we can clean oceans, we can, mm -hmm. um, you know, we can heal the earth with our technology, with our skills, with our tools. So it's about, it's about that really. It's about seeing that for what it really is. Yes, absolutely. And within the darkness is the light, as you said, mm -hmm. you know, in another way. And, <clears throat> you know, we are very powerful beings if we were to step into that power in a very um, positive and compassionate way. But, you know, <clears throat> with the whole thing with being with your message in regards to remembering who you were before you were vegan. I think that is like spot on in so many ways. I think, again, it's just difficult because of that overwhelming nature of waking up in a new mm -hmm. reality. So I know Sarah and I in the beginning definitely found ourselves like that, which really inspired us to... Uh, Let's take this time to personally apologize to any listeners who might be family or friends from a few years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I feel yeah. But, you know, it inspired us to look deeper within ourselves and to really examine what was going on with beneath the surface and what was festering. And we needed to heal ourselves holistically, mind, body, and soul and in order for us to really approach the situation in a more compassionate manner and to be more understanding and also to be able to communicate our truth more eloquently. And I think that's yeah. so important for people to do that inner work and to go within themselves to, to find oh, that. Yeah. Definitely. So what's your vision for plant-based news in the world? My vision for plant-based news is to build a global chat chat room. No. <laughs> my vision my vision for plant-based news is to grow is to grow and build a platform for change. So our original tagline was disrupting the conventional narrative. And the idea with that was that, you know, we were these activists coming in using media and journalism to kind of like disrupt the signal that mm -hmm. is being broadcast to the world, brainwashing people into believing that they have to consume animals to be healthy and that, you know, eating meat is normal, needed and necessary. And that's it, full stop and interrupting that. But then we realized, as we do when we go through this vegan journey, is that the 
carrot slash stick approach has its various benefits slash disadvantages. And I think the carrot approach of encouraging and nourishing and nurturing people along the journey, you're more likely to get people to stay vegan and to listen to you if you shift the way you communicate or you kind of slightly expand your understanding of what it means to communicate in effect in an effective way so it's not always about getting what you want straight away but playing a bit of a long game with people um and understanding that i think as far as the world goes um i just want to continue to inspire people to cons- to consider you know s- sparing animal lives by choosing not to consume them or bits of them three times a day and this is why we've changed our strap line from um from what I said earlier to changing the conversation. So our whole ethos now is about changing the conversation about kind of getting things in a more positive, heading things in a more positive direction. Mm, Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's that's that's great, man. And I really, again, appreciate you and your team and everything that you're doing to bring this to the world. And um, before we let you go, do you have any last words of inspiration? Anything else you want to share? What's going on? Any projects you got, you know, coming up? Anything that uh, is relevant to the world at the moment? Um, Let me think. Let me think. I mean, okay, this is this is quite quite useful. So we've launched something called PB and Learn, which is just some their essays um, that various people in the community are going to be contributing to. It would be amazing to get you guys um, on there as well and just put a couple of essays from you both about your thoughts and you know feelings. It could be something that you you've already written if you wanted to publish it. And on PB and Learn, there'll be PB and Learn, and within that section will be effective vegan advocacy, myths, you know, um, health, fitness. And they're just kind of essays by people in the community um, um, about their thoughts and feelings about what works and what doesn't and and educational type stuff. And it's just an opportunity for us to connect with people in the community with things that are outside of news, if that makes sense, because obviously our, our focus is the news and, and everything that's happening in the movement. But we have this, this section where we want people to, to learn something, essentially. Um, we started off with Dr. Melanie Joy. Are you familiar with Dr. Melanie Joy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Love her work. She produced four essays um, on things that she feels are harming and holding back the vegan movement. So um, I think I actually may have shared them with you. You did, and I really thoroughly enjoyed them. I reread them a few times, actually. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff we're going to have in there. Then, obviously, there's World Plant Milk Day on the 22nd of August. So if you go to worldplantmilkday.com um, and share it with your friends and family, it'd be great to get that out there. We also have a podcast as well, so Plant Based News, uh, which is on SoundCloud. Not that many yet, not as many as you guys, but we've got a few conversations with me um, chattering away to various people. <laughs> be great to get you guys on there as well and, and hear your story. Wonderful. We would love that. Well, we've just been so happy to have you on our show, Ravi. We're just so thrilled for what you and your team are doing for the vegan community and the world at large. And I'm just so happy to continue following the growth and contributing in whichever way we possibly can. Thank you very much. It's been great. Such an incredible man. I am so, so grateful we got to share that space with him. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. And we really look forward to the interview on the upcoming Vegan Warrior Summit that will be launching in September. 
But now is the health tip of the episode. So you've heard us, if you've kept up with us for all of these episodes, or at least some of them, you've heard health tip after health tip from your personal development to different herbs, to different foods we recommend. Well, you know, if you've heard me talk before, you usually don't hear me recommend too many companies. And the reason I don't recommend too many specific companies is because, let's be honest, in the herbal world, there's not a lot of companies that I truly trust. And everything we recommend is everything that we try beforehand. It's tried and tested by Sarah and I before we're able to actually go out there and give you guys the scoop on it. So we wanna make sure this stuff works. Well, have you guys heard about hemp oil? I'm sure you have, it's the craze right now. All these different states are legalizing the use of it. They're even legalizing the use of marijuana. And so people that don't want the psychoactive effects that marijuana has with the THC, people are more are turning towards hemp oil. Well, prime my body, okay? We've, I've tried several hemp oils so far, but this is hands down the best hemp oil on the market. It's super pure, it's vegan, cruelty-free, everything that we want. Yes, and with their special delivery system, it improves the bioavailability. So you're probably wondering, what does that mean? Essentially, you absorb this oil a lot quicker and a lot more efficiently for your body to receive the benefits. And if you really wanna know all the benefits, there's a long, long list. So. Some of them are, it reduces inflammation, it relieves pain, improves memory and focus, reduces anxiety and depression, relieves stress, promotes healthy weight, improves heart health, and improves skin conditions. And like I said, the list goes on and on and on. Now, this hemp oil is pure, it's wonderful, and we use it every day. It's just such an amazing product for people who want to get the benefits of the cannabis plant, but like he said, does not want that high effect or the psychoactive effect. So you're going to want to jump on board this bandwagon. I know so many people that this helps directly, people with fibromyalgia, people with scoliosis. I mean, the list goes on. And we're just so happy to bring this product to you, one that we can fully get behind. Yes. And so if you would like to check this product out and learn more about it, the science behind it and everything, you can go to healandawaken.primemybody.com. You will see that link in the show notes. It will be provided to you. So don't worry if you can't memorize that. You can go right to the show notes, click on the link and follow it. And uh, yeah, go get this, guys. You won't be disappointed. 